Now, InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. When it comes time to retire, will you have enough saved up to pay the bills and enjoy your golden years? InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco spoke with an expert who shares helpful advice. Gina? Thanks, Chris. Joining us now is Chris Carosa, a certified trust and fiduciary advisor. He authored the book, Hey, What's My Number? How to Improve the Odds You Will Retire in Comfort. Chris, is there a good target amount of retirement savings for individuals and another for couples, or are those targets just a myth? Pretty much those targets are a myth because everyone has their own unique set of circumstances, and it really takes some effort to figure out exactly what you need. And how do you find out how much you need in retirement? You look at what you're doing right now in terms of what your salary is. The rule of thumb is that you take 80% of your current salary. That's probably what you'll need in retirement. But it's a little bit more than that because you may want to live in a different state that may cost less than where you're living now. So there's a number of factors like that that you want to use when you're figuring out what you need when you retire. And the flip side of that would be now that you're free, you have more time, you might want to travel more, and that's more expensive. Definitely. People need to determine what kind of lifestyle they're going to go to when they retire. It could be that you're going to travel, or it could be that you're not going to travel, that you're going to stay sedentary, or it could be that you're going to take up a hobby that's going to cost some money. So all those things come into play when you're trying to figure out what you need for retirement. And you have a plan, a few steps. Can you briefly run us through that? Well, what I have is a retirement readiness calculator. You could go to my website and look at it. What it does is it takes a look at where you are right now in terms of your savings, how much you're contributing each year, and how many years away until you go to retirement. Then it looks at your current salary and it takes that 80% haircut and determines how much you need to earn each year as a percentage to get where you need to go. So it's not one of those huge million-dollar numbers that you're looking at because that can be a little misleading. It's actually the percentage. And what I found is that when people focus on the percentage, they're less discouraged about saving for retirement. Percentage of what exactly? That would be the percentage return that you would make by investing your retirement And what about a mix? Do you have a recommended mix between things that are more aggressive and things that are considered safer? Really, what you want to do until about, say, five years before retirement, you want to maintain some sort of long-term growth position in your portfolio. And that's what your focus should be on. As you approach that five-year mark, and definitely two years before retirement, you want to start putting some of those long-term investments into cash or cash equivalents to the point where you get about two years worth of expenses saved in cash by the time you retire. Now, for people who do have some savings, for instance, let's say $150,000, but they're 55 or 60 years old, is it too late in the game to grow their savings enough for a comfortable retirement? If they're working, they can continue to save. And in fact, at that age, they're allowed certain catch-up provisions that could, depending on what retirement plan they're using, either $1,000 more a year or sometimes six or $7,000 more a year if they're using a 401k plan. 
Now, most people are familiar with stocks and bonds, but it seems that alternative investments are all the rage nowadays. First of all, give us maybe two or three examples of alternative investments. Well, that's a definition that really varies depending on who you talk to. Really, it means anything that's not a traditional investment. So it could be, say, for example, REITs or other sort of private placements. These things have liquidity issues with them, and really they're designed for larger institutions more than individuals. I would really keep it safe. Just keep it in stocks and bonds. You have enough options there to have the kind of diversified portfolio that you'll need. The only time you want to get into other types of investments is if you have unique risks, but most people don't have those. You know, if you're a business owner or if you have some other sort of asset, that's when you start getting into these other things that might offset those risks. We're visiting with Chris Carosa, a certified trust and fiduciary advisor. He's the chief contributing editor to FiduciaryNews.com and is a senior contributor to Forbes.com. So there are some changes in the rules for parents who contribute to the so-called 529 funds that put money away for kids' college. Starting in 2024, what new flexibility do you have for those funds? Well, if you meet certain conditions, you can convert any excess funds in 529 plans into Roth IRAs, child IRAs, for your kids. Now, you really can't do it unless that money's been in the 529 plan for 15 years. So that's going back. You don't have to look forward beginning next year. So if you've had money for 15 years in the 529 plans as of next year, you can start converting little bits of it, pieces of it, over to Roth IRAs for your children. And what is that figure, around six, 7000 a year? Well, it will be whatever the limit is for IRAs. So right now it's $6,500 a year, but it goes up occasionally. The other issue is that you're capped. You can only put a little bit more than $30,000 into this Roth IRA from the 529 plan. So you can't convert everything all at once. You're limited to whatever that IRA contribution cap is each year. And then over the lifetime of the plan, you're limited also to how much you could put in. So it's a way to kind of give your kids a kickstart on retirement. It's not as good as, say, using a child IRA right from scratch. So could kids presumably become millionaires in their 40s with this? Actually, they could. I wrote a book called A Parent's Guide to Turning Your Teenager into a Millionaire Before They Graduate High School. And that's not even assuming they're using any of these 529 plans. That's just assuming that they start working at age 13, when most kids start working, when they're in high school, say, and they put the maximum amount they could into a Roth IRA by the time they graduate from high school. If they do that, and they are really bad investors, so they make 3% less than what the average market return is, when they retire at 70 with that money in that Roth IRA, it will have grown to $2.5 million. Oh, my goodness. So talking about kids in college, though, should you finance their education or just save for it? Well, again, that's going to depend on your specific circumstances, what kind of impact that will have on your own retirement and your own savings and your own taxes. All those are factors on how you might finance it. 
my attitude is the kids should finance it because it's their college education. You don't want to risk your own savings because of your child's education. And speaking of managing risk, with respect to your own and with respect to health care, I understand that some companies that sold long-term care insurance went out of business, leaving policyholders stuck with a useless piece of paper. What is your opinion of buying long-term care insurance? Well, I've talked to people who are on both sides of the equation there. A lot of people say, hey, it'll be a safer if I have this insurance because I don't know. I'm uncertain about what's going to happen a decade or two down the road. On the other hand, there are people who say, look, this is just gambling. I'm paying high premiums. I don't know if I'm ever going to access this. So why take the chance? Why risk it? Forget it. I'll just go and whatever happens, happens. And your opinion is? It depends on your set of circumstances and what you feel comfortable with. I like the idea of eliminating any downsides. So I don't like debt. I don't like having the potential for a big, huge payout down the road. I like the idea of having insurance for something like this. On the other hand, I think there's also a way to get around it. Not quite sure what it is because I'm not at that age and the rules are going to be changing when I get to that age. So we'll see what happens down the road. Just retire with enough money so you wouldn't need the insurance, I suppose. Or don't retire. I mean, that's another option that people have. I've done interviews with dozens of people and written articles about senior side hustles. These aren't things just to get extra money. These are things to sort of take up for that lost social aspect of work. So that's a real thing that a lot of people are looking into. Lots of choices. Chris Carosa, a certified trust and fiduciary advisor. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks of Chicago.